Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. Uh, This week is episode 81, and I'm going to be chatting with the co-hosts of New York's leading Forest Green Rovers, the vegan football club, for those who don't know, uh, leading uh, podcast. Why do uh, two New Yorkers have a podcast about Forest Green Rovers, uh, a a vegan football club in the heart of uh, rural Gloucestershire? Uh, Well, we're going to find out, I suppose. Uh, So we talk about that. We talk about uh, all things New York and veganism, uh, crossing over into some political subjects as well, all kinds of different things. So uh, without further ado, here's a conversation between me, uh, Nate and Shyam from the Heaven's Devils podcast. I know, I know a little bit of this story from you know being a long-time listener of the the podcast, etc. But it would be the story, the Coronation Street. Yeah, it would US. be. <laughs> it would be awesome just to, just to hear the the, the full. How yeah. on earth did this pan out? <laughs> Nathan, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, long-time listener. We've only been around for how long, how many months? Jump four. Four months? Uh, yeah. Months? yeah. Well, I've been there since the start. Six, six months, so. But if you've been there from the beginning, yeah, that's – we'll take that. Even, <laughs> even three months at this point is a long time. But anyway, so yeah, so I, um, I've i been a vegetarian for about seven years, six – no, six years I think. Anyway, so how I got into it, I, I actually – it all started from a New Yorker magazine like article that I read. I think it was by Michael Pollan. I can't remember what, it, what the title of it was, but it was about the whole idea of compassionate consumption, which, uh, I'd never come across before. I never even like honestly considered animals and animal rights or anything like that before I grew up a meat eater, uh, you know, and not just like every meal of the day, meat, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, like it's not a meal if there's no meat, you know, in in it. So I, I never even, it never even crossed my mind, the idea that we should not be, you know, subjugating and, and using these animals for pleasure. Um, and then I read that article and I, and I was like, Wow, I, I, it just like hit me, and so I started doing a ton of research, reading, uh, watching videos, watching documentaries, listening to podcasts, and I was like, man, I I got to stop eating meat altogether. Like I, this compassion consumption thing—that's not even that's you're still part of the problem if you're cons- if you're doing any part of the consumption. Like it's it's still you know it's still problematic. There's no such thing I thought at the time as compassionate consumption. I just got to give it up altogether. But that said, I did not. <laughs> I was, uh, I remember I was, uh, I would tell people about it. I would like question, I would, you know, go out for beers, whatever with friends here in the city. We talk about it. We talk about, you know, why it's wrong to, you know, to eat meat, to sub, you know, to, to abuse these animals. And then meanwhile, we'd be eating eat meat. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Big bite of burger. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, wow. so, so the turning point for me was I was at dinner with my girlfriend at the time, now wife. Uh, and we were both eating meat and I was like, you know, why do you, why do you think this is okay? Like, why do you think this is acceptable and blah, blah, blah. I just kept like testing her and pushing her on it. And, um, you know, I'm like eating a steak 
<laughs> so uh, <laughs> she's she's like, yeah, you know, that's a good. Anyway, so she went off. She read some more stuff. Two weeks later, she's vegetarian, and I and I'm still eating meat. And I'm like, oh my god, I got to stop being a hypocrite and just do this. And, and so I stopped eating meat. Um, I still remember the, the last place I ate meat. Awful, awful place here in the city. Um, it's a lot of fun, but it's like terrible food. But anyway, that was the last time I ate meat. So I stopped eating meat and I've been a vegetarian for, I don't know, six years. And then I, I, I've always felt that I should be a vegan. I felt like that was the morally correct thing to do, but I don't know. I, I just, I guess it's the same selfishness maybe, or ignorance or naivety, whatever, uh, that's, that kept me from turning vegetarian, even though I thought it was wrong, I maybe is what also kept me from going all the way and becoming vegan. Um, and then, yeah, Veganuary hit. Uh, well, I guess we can talk about Forest Green Rovers and all that, but Forest Green Rovers also played a role in this. But yeah, when when, when it was Veganuary, Sham and I were like, you know what, let's just do it. Like I, I felt like I should be vegan for a long time. Let's just do it, man. This is the opportunity to do it. Let's, let's go vegan for life now. And, and yeah, ever since January... Uh, I've been vegan. Four months yeah. in. Love it. Yeah, four months <laughs> in. It's awesome. Over the hump. Over the hump. That's right. I don't know about <laughs> that. Make it through January, you can make it. Uh, well, that's, <laughs> that's what we tell ourselves, at least. But. Yeah, percent Was this? Were you exactly on the same path, Sean? Or was it uh, so sort of slightly little, different for you? Yeah, slightly different in that actually I was raised a vegetarian. Uh, I come from okay. a South Asian background. Was raised a Hindu. Um, and so, uh, interestingly enough, both Nathan and I are from um, a similar part of the United States. So we both now live in New York City on the East Coast. We're both originally from the Midwestern region of the U.S. So that, again, is like a huge agricultural part of the country. Uh, we grew up in rural areas, so meat was ubiquitous. You know, if you go to a friend's house, they're going to have meat for for um, you know a meal and so I was always kind of the odd person out right the odd kid out because uh, like oh yeah I can't have that I can't eat that um, and my mom was very strict about it too because it was very you know dear her culture is very dear to her um, and so uh, you know I stuck to stuck to it but I was doing it in an unthinking way because this is just how we do it in my family you know and I love the food we had at home uh, we had like South Indian cuisine so it's like no shortage of really tasty food so I never felt like I was wanting for anything uh, except maybe when I was sick. Uh, and again, this goes to show how you think of things as when you're a kid. I, I have these vivid memories of when I would be sick at home, like sick from school, and I'd have a fever and you could only really eat like toast or a little bit of water. Like I would see these like McDonald's and Burger King commercials <laughs> where it's like the giant like burgers would come up on screen. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that there actually, there's a job called being a food makeup artist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where it's their yeah. job to make the stuff look incredibly delicious and glistening and like it's just like floated down from heaven <laughs> into your mouth or something. Uh, but I just remember I was like, oh man, I, I want that so bad. So it's like the power of advertising, you know? But um you know, I, I just stuck with my culture, uh, but my culture is also very dairy centric. Like we could not live, uh, you know, within my culture, like everything we have, sweets and festivals, it has some dairy component and we're big yogurt consumers. Um, so again, it wasn't until similar to Nathan when I started to do a little more reading and I started to branch out and think about the moral and philosophical implications of what I'm choosing to put in my body that, you know, I had to realize, hey, um, even though there's a big part of this that's near and dear to me, like this comfort food, this culture part of it that is intertwined with dairy, 
um, I got to think about where it's coming from, you know, and what is what is the cost of being able to do it? And it, it, was, it was a lot of things, you know, not to get like too deep, but then it's like you really, as an immigrant to the United States, so I was born in India and moved here when I was very young, like forging an identity in a foreign country as an immigrant, you want so badly to fit in, you know, you want so badly to be a part, assimilate as best you can, while still, you know, being proud of where you're from and who you are. Um, so, you know, these questions, uh, whether I was like totally conscious of them or not, have kind of, I think, been in, in my mind for a long time. So, um, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a loaded question, but I think just like Nathan, you know, you have to, at some point you have to think about what the choice you is want, uh, what the choice you want to make is, and then how do you fit into a system? Are you trying to make things better? Are you trying to reduce a little bit of maybe what you don't feel is going right in the world? And I think that's eventually how I came into uh, veganism. And like Nathan said, we got into four screen rovers a little bit. We're both have been soccer fans for a long time, or or football as <laughs> as it's correctly called <laughs> in the UK. <laughs> but um, you know, probably since the early two thousands when we were younger, um, it's a big push in this country where we've got a, a lot of young soccer fans. So we, we've grown up with the sport and admired yeah. it. And so. Um, this mix of a sport we really enjoy and the moral and ethical philosophy of this club was just super appealing. And um, it's really, I think it's really spurred us on to become vegan. Yeah, I, I definitely need to get on to obviously the, the forest green stuff because I'm, <laughs> I'm really intrigued as to how you even came across <laughs> a League Two club from, um, <laughs> uh, you know, from sort of a very rural area of the UK with, with a, with a, a growing fan base and obviously an international one they're a very unique club but still a very you know on the on the footballing landscape a pretty small club so we definitely want to get into that but before we do i'm just really intrigued as to like you know midwest backgrounds for both of you and that upbringing like you say like uh and certainly my uh view of uh, american culture from afar I've, I've been been a few times to new york i've been um to uh, to San Francisco once as well uh, and so it's limited experience and certainly that kind of the coastal probably experience as well uh, so I'm, re I'm really intrigued as to like growing up amongst that agricultural uh, kind of background and and what it was to be you know American and you know this whole this whole kind of um this whole kind of vibe what your families and friends back home have said since you you've both said you know what we're, we're gonna go the whole hog <laughs> We're banging to forest green rovers. We're not eating any animal products. You know, what was, has everyone, has everyone thought you've completely gone mad taking leave of your senses or is everybody kind of with you? No, no, they, uh, the, 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 the former, <laughs> yeah. I got made, oh man, I, yeah, got made fun of so much when I, when I first went vegetarian, oh my God, I never heard the, really? you know, and friends from family, you know, it's, it's all joking. It's all good nature, but you know, that's kind of like what we always do is just, you know, go after each other. But, um, yeah, no, I always got, yeah, got made fun of big time. Uh, you know, a lot of also some, some, some people trying to be genuine, but not understanding what it means. So like, Oh, but you can eat, you know, you can eat chicken though. Right. No, no, no. I can't eat chicken either. Um, so a lot of stuff like that, uh, I think over time, uh, yeah, over time, everyone's become a lot more understanding of it and respect. Well, not just because it's, you know, they've experienced with me, but it's, you know, it's, uh, animal rights, I think, have, are really like taking off now. Uh, I think a way more, you know, I, I would love to see the numbers, but I'm sure it's it's so much it's in people's consciousness now that it, in a way it was it was never was before in terms of like reaching the masses, reaching people 
you know, from hillbilly lands, like where I'm from. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely an adjustment. Even, even now when I go back, my mom's always like, I have no idea what to, uh, you know, what, what to make you, <laughs> what should you, yeah, exactly. Where are we going to, where are you going to eat? Um, <laughs> And yeah, oh, Thanksgiving too is brutal. Thanksgiving is really tough because there's like nothing there that's not only mashed potatoes. I think is the only you know I can't even have those anymore actually because they have butter. They always put butter in them. So yeah, there's like nothing I can eat at Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> Nathan, I'm gonna hook but, you uh, up. We found a really good uh, vegan mashed potatoes recipe. Let's it's go. A little bit of plant-based butter. So we'll hook let's, you go, up. let's go. Let's <laughs> go. But yeah, no, no. But uh, you know, overall, it's been good. And I think uh, you know, I know my parents. I've both started eating more healthy, more vegetables, less meat. I don't know if necessary. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's for moral reasons, but I think it's, and they see me doing it. They know that it's also a healthy, uh, it's, it's something mm. you can do. That's, that's, that's good for your body. Um, so they've been doing that. Uh, I'd love to get them into, you know, the, the moral aspects of it. You know, I sent them seaspiracy. I sent them cowspiracy. They haven't watched <laughs> it yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going home actually in a few weeks. So I'm going to try to like, force it upon them to watch, uh, and just make, you know, make people question the, their behavior. But yeah. How, how about for you, Sean? What's it, what's it been like for you with the, with the family and so on? Um, well, you know, probably the most my mom has assimilated to American culture was how incredulous she was that I was giving up dairy. <laughs> so it's like, it only, right. it only yeah, took yeah. her 30 years, yeah. but it's like, Hey mom, you're like everyone else. You're just looking at your son weird for saying he's, <laughs> yeah. he's vegan. So, um, you know, she's been supportive, but again, just like she's so, um, you know, she's so proud of her culture and, you know, it's like, she's lived a majority of her life living that lifestyle. You know, and, and you think about how difficult it may be to change later in life. Not that it's impossible. And, you know, like you mentioned, the farmer, like uh, from the Alex Lockwood movie, uh, it's definitely not impossible. But it's just I think it's such a strange idea um, because to her, this idea within the, you know, with Hinduism, within Hinduism of holding the cow sacred, it's like, oh, using the products from the cow, that means, you know, it's something a cow naturally gives. So it's like the symbiosis between to organisms. I think that's the way she looks at it, but she hasn't looked deeper into what the systems are, you know, to produce so much milk, um, the issues that are really under, underlie it. And so, you know, that naivete is there, but at the same time, it's like, it's so wedded to her culture that every, you know, makes everyone makes their own decision. But I, I try to tell my mom, well, these are the reasons why I've decided to do it. And uh, I don't regret growing up Hindu, I don't regret having that, you know, I think almost like a head start for the respect of animals, but now it's just taking the next step. Yeah. Yeah. She's very supportive of that. I I can, I can relate. I mean, my, my mum's side of the family are from India too. And, um, and, and I, I know exactly what you're saying, how, how dairy is just, you know, it's just so part of the culture, but, and I often think, you know, maybe there's an element of the, the upbringing that my mum talks about, which was kind of the 50s in, in India, like in Varanasi, that kind of area of oh, India. Wow, okay. yeah. And, um, you know, the, that upbringing they talk about is much, it's just, it's about small holdings, you know, it's about, mm. there was a, there was, you know, a cow that, that you milked, you know, yourself or somebody in your household milked themselves. And, um, and it wasn't about removal of the young and so on and so forth. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that as a vegan now that I, I agree with it, but I can understand why if that was how you – that is so divorced from what we've got now, you know, yeah, in terms of like right. the mechanization of, 
uh, of this process and the, the, the kind of brutal um, uh, factory nature of it that I can understand that unless you're unless you see that directly it would be difficult to say well actually that is very different from what I was brought up doing so um yeah I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on that when it when it's so deep um it, it does seem like well what's the problem here <laughs> right yeah and um it, again even for me sometimes and you know i think it's sort of ascribed to americans in general that we're happy-go-lucky i do think overall we're optimistic but sometimes it comes at the expense of acknowledging realities like the unpleasantness of certain things and you you know you brought up antibiotic resistance and like the crowding of animals uh, you know, for in dairies and in, you know, um, factory hens and stuff, right? So, um, you know, we're a land of plenty <laughs> and there's plenty of food and there's also plenty that goes to waste here, but we tend to focus on that more than, yeah, you know, what is the, what is the process? You know, we don't, we don't think about the means a whole lot, which um, I think Nathan and I have only become a little more attuned to the past few years. Yeah, well, hundred percent. It's it's a it's a process, you know. I mean, even I've been in it four years, uh, and in that four years, I, uh, there's still things every day that I find out that I was shocked by. You know, I'm kind of like, I suppose, you know, feel like I think you you can feel as like once you've attributed the label vegan to yourself, you can sort of think, well, I've I've done it now. You know, it, <laughs> it, you know, I'm I'm doing everything that I can, and then you even then you find there's like there's still more like i think the, yeah. the sort of the the definition is um we need to remember the definition you know as far as is possible and practicable because it's so intrinsic into so many things it's almost impossible to remove like if you spend a, a fiver you know that five pound note has got uh has got um uh, byproducts from pigs in you know, no, like well, yeah. it's it's in the physical cash that we yeah, use. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's <laughs> talk about sort of symbolic, you know, it's it's the very the very um yeah, financial wow. fabric. Um <laughs> yeah. so it it's crazy. It'd be it's almost impossible to have that completest kind of view, uh, mm -hmm. I think. Would you so, say, um, Jim, that that was like the thing that kind of blew your mind the most? Or what what did you what blew your mind the most that you found out like used animal products or you know kind of pierced the veil of the <laughs> um I, I i think it's difficult to say one singular thing i think i mean i know it's very pertinent at the moment but i i i think until even doing the podcast so i'd gone vegan and i was probably in episode i think it was episode 18 if i remember rightly um which was like february of 2020 something like that and when i interviewed um captain hammerstead from sea shepherd and i and i felt awful because i hadn't realized the scale of what was going on in the oceans i know this is very topical and uh, you know very sort of in the zeitgeist with sea spiracy etc but i genuinely until he told me the things he told me that you know if you if you have a plate of shrimp in front of you uh, at a restaurant that there's essentially like 10 to 20 plates of other seafood that have, have been pulled from the ocean mm. killed and essentially thrown yeah. um for that one plate of shrimp the devastation i i just i just don't think i had any i think we i'd been like everybody probably sold the idea that fishing was like you know this image of um 
the the sort of the in 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 the UK this kind of like the the Cornish fisherman, yeah. you know, with the with the little hat. <laughs> the, the hipsters wear now uh and the, the the you know the ones that are right on the top and the uh the uh the pipe and the beard and you yeah. know he went out and he sung sh sea shanties and he came back early in the morning with his catch and he fed the village and yeah. uh, so he can come back sea shanties <laughs> that's true that's true yeah i think we could we I'll could do that. those you, they, they're perfectly vegan you can sing sea shanties okay. all you like. <laughs> um, so, so don't worry i'm not i'm not going to drop that bombshell on you then okay. i found out that okay. sea shanties were <laughs> okay <laughs> they're safe they're safe you're fine i'm sure that in new york there's probably it's probably in brooklyn somewhere there's probably a bar devoted to the sea oh, shanties no sure. question there's i guarantee Definitely. you that there are sea shanty singing groups multiple tens yeah. i'm sure in the city no question no yeah, question that's going to be like our version of eurovision in the next couple of years so, <laughs> yeah. not, even, not even kidding <laughs> <laughs> there's a movement there, there's definitely a movement somewhere and it's yeah. probably already not cool anymore like, <laughs> yeah. 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 it yeah. happened like it last like 10 minutes ago it happened and now it's dead yeah. uh, 10 minutes but, it'll come back so it's, it's all <laughs> that's right keep, keep the sea shanty in the back pocket it's gonna come back <laughs> it'll come back it'll come yeah. back um so i think that the scale of the devastation in the yeah. oceans i think right because i think everyone can get behind the image of a like a japanese whaling fleet i think yeah. everyone's behind yeah. that image no one thought it was their cod, yeah. <laughs> you know, their cod right. and chips that was the problem. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I, and I think the preponderance of like media, especially these films that strike such a you know stark visual um, image for people, right, is is really great and has raised awareness. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of this um, novelist, Jonathan uh, Jonathan Safran Four. Yes, yes. Yeah, he wrote, like, everything is, is illuminated, uh, you know, extremely loud, incredibly close. He wrote um, a nonfiction book called Eating Animals. And so I think that was really seminal uh, for me, too, mm. getting a chance to read that, because he did mm. um, a, a chapter on, you know, fishing. And mm -hmm. I think, um, I forget what the exact term is. Is, like, is it, like, bykill? Bycatch. Bycatch, yeah, by by right. Yeah, yeah. Um, of, you know, all the other plates that go into your one plate of shrimp, yeah. as I just mentioned, Jim. Yeah. Um, and he just had, like, three straight pages of, like, one block of paragraph. Like, these are all the things that get caught in there. And, like, listing wow. all the different species. And just seeing yeah. that as I read, I was like, oh, wow. I, f I finally see the scope of this. You know, it's yeah. not like, yeah, it's not somebody out there with, like, an assassin sharpshooting, you know, <laughs> like you said, your cod to, to make it to uh, the frozen aisle. But yeah. this is, in, in fact, how they can provide this volume of, of seafood by having, to, you know, th this means of um, obtaining it. So, yeah, that really, like was an eye-opener similar to like watching these films and getting the the raw yeah. visuals there's almost something i think about the ocean that, or about sea life that was that feels alien to us as humans mm -hmm. and yeah. so it's okay because i think you know I, I can't remember whether it was it was captain hammerstead or somebody or it might have been jonathan suffering for who said it but um you know if if people were to in order to get a pound of beef were collecting up you know all the land all the great land animals they were collecting yeah. up giraffes and elephants and lions and just yeah. killing them that there would be outcry you know oh, people right. would go crazy mm -hmm. you know even even the most hardened meat eaters would be like you know because you see this on twitter all the time don't you, you see folks who hardened meat eaters they're, they're, they're literally eating a burger furious at somebody with <laughs> a dead lion and yeah, a, a yeah. rifle and yeah. and rightly so i mean it's you know it's disgusting mm -hmm. and deplorable but 
you know, it, if we're talking about loss of life, you, mm. it's the same entity. Yep. <laughs> you yeah, know, you, you've still you've killed and yep. paid for that killing. So it's it's um, it's remarkable the disconnect. Yeah. We have this like weird hierarchy of like, is it pretty enough to save? Uh, exactly. Is it if it's on the land, yeah. it's different to in the ocean. It's all this crazy stuff. Yeah, anyway. speciesism, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I remember uh, in eating animals, Foer was also like, you know, um, out of necessity sometimes, like in the Philippines, I believe, or maybe it was Indonesia, you know, some folks had the habit of cooking and eating dog meat. You right. know, but if you were to say, tell that to somebody in New York or in Brooklyn, they'd be like, "What?" Yeah, it's exactly. Like, yeah. They, they would just lose their minds, right? You know. But what what, what right. really is the difference, right? It's what's available exactly. to them and it's what's feeding them. But it's you know, it's uh, yep. I guess again, you know, we we can get political. I know we you delve into the philosophical side mm-hmm. of things uh, on this pod, but yeah, man, like we just have a really strong advertising system here. <laughs> like, we do. Yeah. yeah, it's tough to yeah. it's tough to see beyond that. Absolutely. I, I, I think about, uh, I don't know why, I just, the other day I was thinking about Michael Vick. Do you know Michael Vick, Jim? Yeah, the, um, is he the U.S. Uh, football player with yeah. the dog fighting? Exactly, yeah, yeah. 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 Which, was, which was awful, of course. The, you know, that was a terrible action. He went to, to prison for it. Uh, but then, and then you think about like, we, but we, that's, that's legalized in so many other, you know, in, in so yeah. many other places in, in the form of factory farming, like not even legalized, it's subsidized. Our government is like encouraging <laughs> yeah. the, the torture of animals. And this one guy tortures animals, which is, which is awful. He goes to prison. Others, you know, make a profit. It's just like this logical inconsistency that exists, uh, really all over the world. And I think Sean was right. Like it's, you know, marketing, it's, it's money in politics. It's, uh, and it's just like speciesism and, and ignorance. Like we know dogs, we know cats, we're familiar with them. We feel comfortable with them. Like we feel like they're, you know, one of us and we don't want to hurt them, but a whale, a cow, like most of us don't have, you know, pet whales or pet cows. So it's like, a, it's just like you said, like kind of alien foreign to us. So yeah, it's okay to, to torture them, to take their lives because, you know, they're not our, you know, I don't know. We don't have a relationship with them. hundred percent. It's like the Pulp Fiction scene with the where they're in the diner and uh, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, are talking about he, he just says he doesn't he doesn't uh, eat pigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and he's like, well, you wouldn't eat a dog or whatever. And he's yeah. like, yeah, it would have to be a charming pig, you know that whole that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, right. It, 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 yeah. it is as silly as that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> purely down to well, I like I like this dog. because yeah. <laughs> he goes yeah, for absolutely. a walk with me. Yep, <laughs> it's just yep. crazy craziness but uh yeah but talking of um uh, of new york you know and, and thinking about new york specifically and uh, and i'm saddened to say that when i last went to new york so i, I went i'm a big hockey fan and oh, wow. that's kind of my uh, yeah so kind of a, a, perhaps i should do a podcast about like a really niche hockey yes, team you right? should. Uh, uh, the wheeling nailers that was my local team back growing up because you, you gotta do <laughs> like re- a lower level team just like we followed the four screen rovers yeah. you gotta do like you can't what do an nhl called? team it's gotta the be wheeling nailers nailers in wheeling, wheeling west virginia nailers. wheeling nailers like a nail cool <laughs> that was my local team get that wheeling feeling you should that can be your team I'm there starting the Wheeling Nailers podcast. It starts next week. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, Nailers. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, was, I was a big fan of, uh, oh, I am a big fan of hockey, uh, but I, I haven't been to New York 
since 20... So it was the last day of the Obama administration. It was the 19th of oh, January wow. 2016 when I left. That's right, isn't it? If I got my dates right. Probably right. I've got a copy of the New York Times from that day and I've kept oh, wow. it. Um, oh, nice, yeah. From, from the last day of, like, before, like, things went even weirder and <laughs> yeah. the yeah. world... To yeah. help. Putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um but, but but i wasn't vegan back then so i went vegan in that march i think it was that april 2016 mm-hmm. so sort of four or five years now and um so at the time the places i was going to eat were like cat's deli and you know things like yeah. that you know all the touristy the kind of things that you, roast beef sandwich yeah, shrimp Ruben. yeah like that <laughs> yeah. and i've got these like now they look like really gruesome pictures on my phone of like you know these these sandwiches and stuff um but I, just thinking about your experience like in in new york now and i appreciate it's got covid time so you've probably not been out and about since you've since you guys have gone like fully vegan but what's the what's the the offering like in new york now i'd imagine it's a pretty vegan friendly city it is. Yeah, it is. It, it could definitely be more vegan friendly, though. It's um, it, a lot of it is concentrated in a few areas like downtown okay. lower Manhattan, basically lower Manhattan and Brooklyn. There, there are definitely vegan places, you know, all over the city. But I think a, a majority of the options are concentrated in a specific area. And really, it's, it's kind of like class based, but it's expanding. It's um Actually, where Sham and I live, there's a really good, a really famous vegan place. And there's a couple more that are, have just opened up or just about to open up, I saw. So it's growing, definitely growing. It's it's good, but there should be more. There definitely should be more, especially considering it's 2021. Like where we like considering where we are in the world, considering how you would how progressive you, you would think New York City would be. There should be more vegan options than there are. Mm. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think, Sham? Yeah, I mean, I think even from when I was a kid, because kind of like I mentioned, like it was very easy to feel like the odd person out growing up in a smaller town in the Midwest. So compared to that, New York is like, oh, yeah, we can can eat. We can, you know, if I needed to go to a vegan place, I could do it. It's convenient. But like Nathan said, for the, you know, idea that we have of New York City maybe being a progressive bastion or trying to build the movement or make it an inclusive movement. Um, I feel like that is kind of on the cusp. It's growing, mm-hmm. but it hasn't like hit yeah. that critical mass yet. Um, and again, like sometimes, you know, because again, what, what do you think of when you think of like New York City food? What's the, like the uh, consummate New York, New York City food? What's the staple of New York City food, Jim? Uh, so, well, like f- pizza, like burgers, like it's yeah. the it's the like the cats experience like the places that my i have i've got a really good friend who's from like upstate okay. and um he i bet lives over here he's like british citizen now and he gave me gave me a list of recommendations and it was like dinosaur barbecue right grimaldi's yeah great uh, well. <laughs> yeah yeah um there's another pizza place on Bleecker Street that he recommended i can't remember joe's you, you maybe know. probably john's yeah jo- joe's yeah, yeah joe's, joe's. John, there's like two yeah yeah, it was Joe's, I think, and um, uh, and yeah, Dinosaur Barbecue, did I mention that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's like, th- there was this list of, yeah. of, and cats, obviously. It was like, you need to go to all these places. Yeah. But yeah. when I look back now, every single one of them was about <laughs> eating large quantities <laughs> yeah. of, of Welcome to America. animal flesh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the American yeah. way. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think what Sean, what Sean was getting at there is like, you know what? Sean and I are both really missing. We, you know, obviously, who isn't a pizza lover? Like we all love pizza and there's no, yeah. there's very few vegan pizza options here. There, there's a great place called Double Zero, but it's, um, it's in the Lower East Side. Um, and it's, you know, not very accessible. It's, I mean, if you're down there, it's awesome, but we don't live down there. And, uh, you know, there's dollar slice places everywhere. We need some vegan dollar slice places. You know, we, we get pizza now without the cheese, but it's not the same. We need, we need a dollar, we need a vegan, you know, uh. vegan pizza spot. So that's what I'm looking for. Someone out there, if you're listening, you live in New York city, start a, start a <laughs> vegan pizza shop. We there's somebody who, who owns one who's like going nuts now going, <laughs> yeah. come to my place yeah 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 <laughs> man get a better social media team we need to hear about you <laughs> yeah that's true that's true no, uh, but that's, that's, the, that's I think the... what Nathan's getting at it's like we need to be like because kind of living here it's part of the lifestyle like hey I'm on the run I gotta, I gotta head to the train yeah. let me stop by the slice place and grab exactly. a slice yep. um, yeah. you know going to like this double zero place it's like oh that's our fancy night out let's have a nice a date down there let's do a dinner yeah. out there you know but we, we just have to see it come integrated in people's lives a little more yeah and, and yeah. cater to, to all to all people here because like i said it's very classist right now it's very yeah. like right. most of the vegan options cater to the wealthy and they don't have options for people who, who are for everyday new yorkers you know for the for the regular people so we you know we i don't know that that's that's something else that has to change there has to be more affordable options for for everybody uh so everyone can get involved in this Oh, yeah, although Social one big movement, movement has been with um, Impossible Meat and Beyond Meat. So they're okay, yeah. like infiltrating the franchises. So Burger yeah. King has their like Whopper, which is impossible. I think Dunkin' Donuts, which is a huge, you know, mm-hmm. coffee place over here you may have visited when you when you were yeah. um, here. They have like a Beyond Meat sandwich. So those are the places where people again, where it's not like classist tons of people go there whether you're rich or poor to grab a quick bite so i think the visibility is getting much better uh with yeah. kind of those those companies signing up the other issue too though i guess we're getting off topic but there's so many food deserts here as well oh, you know especially yeah. again in, in poor neighborhoods which are certainly classist racist but you know if you if you chum and i actually work in a very poor neighborhood and it's you'll be hard pressed to find a, a grocery store uh, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's just fast food everywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a problem all over the U S uh, these food deserts that are predominantly in poor and non-white, you know, parts of cities and parts of the country, huge problem. And that's uh, anyway, I guess that's, right, that's Nathan, I'm going to outwoke you. I'm going to outwoke you right now. Go Even ahead. the term like food desert has been like become slightly outdated because people are like activists are starting to call it like food apartheid. Because um, again, yeah. it's like not necessarily like when you think of a desert, you think of a place that naturally occurs. Oh, this is a place that naturally occurs that right. doesn't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is purposeful. This is, yeah, this is planned. Yeah, this point. is poor yeah, planning. Yeah. This is designed. Exactly yeah. by design. So, um, you know, I, and I get it. I think I, I agree with the rationale. Yeah. So, th- so th- forgive my ignorance. So, because yeah. I think we've got similar things in, in kind of in, in London, to be to be honest. But so, so the the notion here is that. The likes of, and forgive my brands, probably are wrong, but the likes of your Dunkin' Donuts or your maybe your Subways, your IHOPs, those kind of you know the cheap eateries mm. that are selling pretty much junk, nutritionally yep. speaking, mm. uh, target these areas. Absolutely, and and getting good quality food is you're just outpriced. You're priced out the market. You right. know, exactly. yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. 
yeah it's, it, a, it's, it's a crazy crime, like, man. it's you, awful but yeah so it, it is sickening really is like yeah. when you when you think about like the price of and that, that certainly happens over here in the uk i think it's the same the same thing you look at the price of i don't know like uh a fro even in the supermarket you go to a, a supermarket at tesco's or an asda or a sainsbury's or whatever here for a pound you'll get a good fellas whatever pizza frozen meat mm-hmm. feast uh <laughs> full of carcinogens and death yeah. Yeah. and um yeah. for two pound a bag of salad or mm. a, 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 a you know roast or vegetables that you could roast or you could stew or whatever like a bag of, of fresh veg would be like two pounds so like if you're a, if you if you are on a on a tight budget as a family like what, yeah. are, you gonna, what are you gonna buy exactly it's not a choice of you know like we can all say as you know pretty comfortable vegans that uh you know well it's only two pounds for some veg and so on but if your choice is two pounds for that or one pound for that pizza then what, what are you gonna yeah, do exactly you when know? you gotta pay the rent you gotta pay you gotta pay your bill like yeah it's it's a crime and i think that's where well i don't know i mean I, i'm guessing like part of it a big part of it is government subsidies like government subsidize the meat industry yeah a lot and that allows them to have lower prices which allows them to uh continue to uh, well anyway yeah it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, like it's in our society <laughs> everything is so like interwoven <laughs> but yeah, because yeah it's, it's like the, the big companies also like have contracts with school districts so it's like yeah. pizza is considered veg in school because there's tomato yeah. sauce on it so yeah, oh, yeah, the, yeah, kid, yeah. the kids have their their veg for the day yeah <laughs> you know so it's like it's a joke. Uh, that's outrageous yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's just... wild and and that's why i think it's so interesting to us too i mean you know of course we've talked about the moral and i know and then we're gonna get to forest screen eventually <laughs> you, know, you can tell we have a lot to say uh, i can see a path there i can <laughs> yeah. see a path there. Uh, you know, when we talk about individual choices and stuff like hey you know uh, i want to make sure i'm vegan i want to make sure hey i'm maybe not mm. buying as much disposable plastics or you know reducing my fossil fuel or carbon footprint but really it has to be on a higher level for for things to get where they need to be yeah. you know for the world to avert these crises and these uh, yeah. you know these bad outcomes that we talked about whether it's like this the climate change whether it's these mm. like pandemics from you know that are resistant to the drugs we have like we have to try to avert it so it's like it's interesting seeing how we can get a lot of people to to do that and that's why forest green rovers is like such a cool idea to us because it's not just one individual although you know they do have a very charismatic chairman and dale vince and his pr <laughs> yeah. his like i guess you know uh ability to go out there and charm is a huge part of it but the fact that there can be a club that represents sport and stand for like an organization that's like hey we can yeah. do this as a community like that is what's really kind of cool to me and i think nathan too yeah yeah now I'm with you. It's it's such a unique area as well. I think to have gone into, it's not one that that people expect. And I think you know Dale was very purposeful in in his choice of of football. You know because it's you know we talk about class systems and so on. You know in the UK, uh, football is a you know is very much a working class tradition. You know when you look at most of the clubs that exist, most of them came from uh, some kind of industry. Uh, club uh, back in like the late 1800s so mm. you take oh, I know you guys are, are big football fans so you, you you know this history already but um, for those who don't you know like the likes of West Ham United for example as, were, yeah used to be uh, Thames Ironworks FC 
you know that and and that was in 1895 so they were shipbuilders you know in the east end of london's tough tough life there and uh and they you know they were building ships and played football for for recreation um and that's become this club so and that's still woven into the as much as that you know that's been um well, I don't know if you you guys are aware of the sort of the UK term in football of the prawn sandwich brigade, but uh, yeah, that's no, <laughs> so this is a term <laughs> that I think um, I think it was Roy Keane who you may you may know is a yeah. ex Man United midfielder and now kind of like um, clickbait time type <laughs> of uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a pundit like says says things to get to get some yeah. clicks, right. but uh, he's um, on the t- on the yeah yeah he's I mean he's he's, he's got good opinions okay. but they're obviously designed to get people to right. <laughs> pile in on the debate but when he was a player i think he said that you know football's being taken over by the prawn sandwich brigade i.e like the uh, kind of capitalist interest if you like so it was i think it was at the time actually when man united were purchased by the glazers and so on and the idea that Mm. um now the average supporter like the working class supporter was priced out of the game this is still very much a, a thing that's going on you know it's 50 60 70 pounds a ticket for a Premier League game now, which, you know, if you've got, if you're a, a mum or dad with a child, two kids to go to a game, you just can't afford to do that anymore. So the, it's it's not this working class game, but it's, it's fascinating that, you know, football being the target of Forest Green, because it is so, it's so, like I say, it's so woven into the fabric of working class life football. Um, and and that's often an area that is targeted by like like you say fast food, yeah. by cheap eating, by uh, animal agriculture, and so on. So yes, it's a fascinating point that they've 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 kind of targeted that area. O- on that note, how on earth did both of you discover Forest Green Rovers? <laughs> so yeah, so I'll start since I think I'm the earlier of the two. Uh, so I, I found them actually two or three years ago maybe uh in fifa on playstation so i I was looking for a league two team to like bring up you know bring up to the premier league and uh, i saw this team with this like crazy ridiculous like bright green kits and i was like this cannot be a real this gotta be a glitch there's no way this is a real team so i googled them and i was like oh my god i found out you know first that they're the greenest club in the world you know they're doing all this amazing stuff for the environment i also found out that they were a vegan club and, you know, both of those uh, values are, are really, really important to me, even though I wasn't a vegan. Again, like I was a vegetarian at the time, but yeah. I still felt like everyone should be vegan or everyone who can afford to be anyway should be vegan. Um, and uh, so anyway, so, uh, yeah, just aligned with my values. So I started following a couple years ago and I, cause I, was, I was just thinking, like, if I'm going to put my money, put my time into football, like I should do it for a team that I think is doing good in the world. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to follow this team, but you know, it's hard to follow league two from the U S so I was just kind of following on the internet, (laughs) you know, follow over here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm just, you know, looking on the, watching the internet, watching YouTube, you know, watching highlights, following along. And then finally, like this year, uh, I hit up Sean one day, had a few too many beers and I, and I like wrote out my manifesto (laughs) to Sean, like why we should start this podcast. Uh, there's some ridiculous stuff in that manifesto, but anyway, uh, and I was totally like, Hey, Sham, you know, like the next morning, whatever I was like, Sham, just disregard that text last night. Stupid idea. Don't worry about it. But anyway, Sham was like, no, let's do it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. You managed not to send any explicit pictures along with the text. Let's do it. I I take it seriously. 
Yeah. It must not. Oh, you, oh. you must not have said. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't upload. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. So, so anyway, so this year we started following, like seriously following. We've watched every every match, uh, and the pod was our kind of way of documenting our experience. And also yeah. a, a, try an attempt, I guess, to, to try to bring others in who are like us, who are outsiders, who have no connection to Gloucestershire at all, but simply appreciate what the club is doing off the pitch and want to support um, from wherever wherever they are. Uh, so we wanted to be kind of like that gateway in for, for guys who were just like us because we were, you know, for me anyway, I was following for a couple of years, but I had no like way to like really connect with the club. And so that's, that's kind of what we've been trying to do and just have fun along the way. Cause you know, we're, we're dumb. We're, we don't know what we're talking yeah. about. We have <laughs> no football, you know, knowledge. So yeah. we're not, we're not like the guys who are going to like, you know, analyze every part of the game. No, yeah, that's it's not like, us. But uh, as much as we like to, to be fun. a hipster podcast, it's not happening. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> have, you don't have the knowledge. So, so yeah, I think that, yeah, I guess, I guess that's how I got into it. That's kind of how the podcast started. Shum, I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Nathan put it very nicely. Uh, I mean, for me, the first I had heard of Forest Green Rovers was probably by reading about them in The Guardian. So um, yeah. back to like my college days, I was uh, really into like the writing of George Monbiot, who I know is a, oh, yeah. Yeah, a writer yeah. for The Guardian, and he, and he yeah. used to have a column there. Um, and so, yeah, just getting into his experiences and how he would characterize the world. And so, you know, The Guardian became something, a paper that I would just kind of keep in line with to learn about what's going on in the UK. Um, and, of course, I was trying to get ready for Jeopardy. Do you know what Jeopardy is, Jim? Yes. Okay. The, the game show. The game show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's like yeah. the highest honor. If you make it on Jeopardy, <laughs> you've like, <laughs> you've entered, you've entered, you know, hallowed, the hallowed pantheon. But like, uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, keeping abreast of like world, world events, I uh, read The Guardian. So I'd heard about this club that was carbon neutral and like really pushing the, um, you know, um, the frontiers of being green and bringing it into how the club operates. I was like, oh, this is really cool. But then I just kind of left it because I'm an Arsenal supporter. I was like, can I really get into League Two? <laughs> is this really going to like, <laughs> you know, be something I can commit hours of my life to? Um, and so just kind of, you know, every once in a while I'd see an article but then, you know, Nathan drunk texted me and, uh, you know, propositioned me in the best sort of way, <laughs> in the best sort of way. Uh, but no, I kind of like uh, thought about it. And it's like some part of the Premier League game, like you mentioned, and, you know, using Roy Keane's term, the prawn shop, you know, the prawn sandwich sort of thing. Um, it's a little slick. It's involving a yeah. lot of like oil money from the Middle East. There's a lot yeah. of like... Again, like ethical considerations with like the World yep. Cup coming up in like Qatar and the labor that's used. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the, even though the football is like wonderful to watch and the reason I got into Arsenal and talking the first, uh, talking the first place was Arsenal and the way they played football. Um, yeah. Again, the more you learn about it and you grow up, you're like, well, is this representing what I want the world to be? And so when Nathan mentioned it, I was like, wow, I, I actually think like this is something that I'm truly interested to learn about and recognize I know nothing about this little club on top of the hill, know nothing about yeah. Hillsworth or Gloucestershire. <laughs> uh, but man, it would be awesome to take this journey with Nathan and just learn about it and talk to people and build that sense of community that I think many American football fans want. Because, yeah. you know, that's what we view as authentic is like, hey, you have a club you love. 
uh, and you get to know something about them or you feel welcomed by them. And that's how we yeah. felt with every interaction we've had with someone that's either represented for Screen Rovers, like the club itself, or a supporter that we've talked to. Um, yeah. And so we've, yeah, I, I would say like fallen head over heels and we feel that personal connection now more than just like, oh, I'm going to wear my Arsenal kit, even though I still do that, you know, <laughs> you know I'm going to wear my fly Arsenal kit today. Um, still got to look fly, but it's just that deeper connection that I feel now personally. Yeah. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, I just want to jump in there, I, I, especially about the last thing that you said. Uh, definitely have the deeper connection because of the people we now know who are players, who are part yeah. of the staff, who are fans. But even more than that, and, and all along, I, I feel like, and maybe this is, not, I don't know, naive of me, but I feel like when Forest Green does well, like that's that's a positive thing because that's getting the message, the, the green message, mm. the vegan message out there even more. It's amplifying these really positive messages. And so I feel like when I'm rooting for Forest Green to win, I'm not just rooting for, you know, <laughs> just a football team to win a, you know, meaningless game. Yeah. I'm rooting for a message to, to get out there. Um, and it just makes, I don't know, it just, it just makes you feel so... Uh, it's just it's 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 awesome like I, i've just like shama fallen in love with the club and you get kind uh, of giddy talking about it a lot of teeing before that's the right pod. <laughs> that's right you know oh isn't this yeah, player yeah, so I've, dreamy <laughs> you know that sort of thing i feel much the same i i, I, I really do I, I, and i totally relate to you know like what, what you said there about the connection with the club you know i, th- I think there's um not just a connection with you know aligning with with your ethics but a connection that doesn't exist within professional sport very often these days you know as a as a fan of West Ham when I'm not a fan of Forest Green as a as a fan of the New York Rangers uh, <laughs> you know I you're not and and of going to Madison Square Garden you know yeah. it feels like you're going to a Broadway show you know yeah. it's great but yeah. it's you go to a thing you right. see the thing everyone's you know everyone's a list if you like and then yeah. you, you're you're nobody you're not, <laughs> there's no connection to it right. but whereas forest green you know you you've you've like you say every time they win you feel like there's a talking point somewhere about the food their belief systems their ethics you know mm-hmm. the fact that the pitch isn't hasn't got animal products on it and that that's got to be sowing seeds somewhere yep, I, I, I optimistically i hope um and having been on the terrorists that the terraces and heard um opposition fans singing where's your sausage rolls and all that sort of thing <laughs> yeah. i think uh it, it it's obviously like somewhere in people's psyche yeah you know absolutely um and i've genuinely heard people down there away fans and so on mm-hmm. saying you know buying a burger is like and doing it really begrudgingly kind of like, oh we've got to eat this haven't we there's nothing else here and then as as they're eating it going, this is actually pretty nice <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. whole thing yeah um, the epiphany <laughs> You know, even if they go there once, a, you know, as an away fan, twi- you know, once yeah, a year, and right. as a home fan, you go forty times a year, and that's the only time you eat vegan, yeah. and you're immersed in that. I'm, I'm sure it's so seed somewhere. Absolutely, yeah. I think you know, making any change comes like changing your behavior is not just like one single, you know, you see one thing and then it boom, you change. It, it's it, I think it's like a bunch of different touch points, and I think Forest Green is is one of those. Just like you said, sows the seeds. Uh, you go to Forest Green, you learn about the message, you have a vegan burger or whatever. Uh, that, all right, that's now in the back of your mind. Then you see this other thing and you connect it to that experience. And you see this other thing, you connect to that experience. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. I think it, I think it's powerful. And Sean and I have talked with a lot of uh, away fans, actually, because sometimes we'll bring on oh, right. opposition, uh, like opposition 
podcasts yeah, yeah. leading up to games. And we always ask them, like, what do you think of Forest Green Rovers off the pitch? Um, and by everyone, everyone who's actually spoken to, like, admires what they're doing off the pitch. Those who have been to the to the ground, like, compliment the food. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I think we've seen it. It's sowing seeds, just like you said, in, in yeah. all around the UK and really all around the world. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. It and it honestly is. You will not get better food out of British football ground. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Even that's in the, like, you go to the Premier League, yeah. you'll pay fifteen quid for a veggie burger or something. Mm. You'll pay some obscene amount of money for something that is awful. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? what we've heard. Just because you're there. Yep. Like I, I've been, I've been a few times to England games at Wembley, and it's just. <laughs> outrageous yeah like there's like a falafel and chips option that they do there now which to be fair it's progress right. but it's <laughs> it's it's dry and like and it was ridiculous money like there is no way that any any working class sort of family yeah. could could pay for the ticket the right. transport that it's completely priced anybody normal out of the market yeah. you know um and uh, we, yeah, we, you, you go to Forest Green, and a it's not expensive, and mm-hmm. b it's just it's genuinely good food. Like yeah. people go there just because the food's yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've heard that. That's awesome. Yeah, we're, yeah, that we're itching to try it. And after talking to Jade, and August, like, show him August. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think this might have pushed me over the edge to be more optimistic. <laughs> just, oh, I'm still it. hungry now. You're not, you're not <laughs> just making decisions when you're hungry, but here I am. So. <laughs> Oh, you can make this one. You can make this decision. It's <laughs> yeah. absolutely fine. It, I've, got, I've got to ask, like, in your sort of when you when you sent that drunk text, Nathan, and, and, and shy when you received it, and you thought, okay, this sounds cool. cool let's do it. This would be a bit of fun. Did you ever, at that point, think that you'd be chatting with the chairman, <laughs> many of the players, no, the head no chef, way, all no, these way. Co- no. <laughs> not at all. No. Even if they were League Two, did you think there's no way we're going to get that yeah. kind of exposure? No, no way. I yeah. thought that, uh, you know, our wives are going to listen to it and maybe not even them. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen yeah. to this. Yeah, the stretch, goal, the stretch goal was my mother-in-law. Maybe we'll get my mother-in-law to listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, we were we have just been shocked, shocked by, like, how kind and gracious and warm and really what a football family it is. Because I know, you, got, we, we, you know, we've talked about it already, but... It, Forest Green is a family and, and, uh, everyone's humble. Everyone's kind. Everyone's like gracious and hospitable and like, come on in, come on, you know, it's, it, which is so cool yeah. and not expected. Cause we're these two outsiders. We have no connection to, you know, we, and we're also two idiots. We have no idea what we're talking about when it comes <laughs> yeah. to football. Yeah. Uh, and my, most football fans don't, I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Fair, so. enough. Fair enough. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, everyone's been sh- shouting things incoherent on a Saturday afternoon. That's <laughs> yeah. what you're there to do. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe that's how they Fair recognized enough. us. All right, yeah, we fit right in. We fit right in. These guys are the real deal. Exactly. Oh, but yeah, no, no, no. We had no expectation of this. Uh, well, actually, part of my pitch, which still hasn't happened yet, I think one of the top points of my pitch, like as Sean said, Sean's an Arsenal fan. So one of the top points of my pitch was like, you need a way to meet Hector Bellerin, and you don't have one right now. This is your way in. That was one of the points on the, on the manifesto. To convince so we wait, haven't wait, done it yeah, yet. Which, but. After which beer was that, uh, that bullet point <laughs> <laughs> inscribed? <laughs> yeah. At that point, was he an investor 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure he was. Was he? I think he, he, he was. He bought in point, like right okay. before. I think he bought in in August or September, maybe. Yeah. Was it August? Because right. we I didn't start the, the pod. Summer, the end of the summer. Yeah. End of the summer. We didn't start. We actually we watched a few games first before we started the pod. So we didn't start the pod on match week one. We started it. I don't know match week nine, match week ten, something like that. So we yeah. we had been around. We uh, yeah. So by the time we decided to start the pod, uh, yeah, Hector was a uh, established investor shareholder. Nice. Yeah. Have you reached out to him yet? Not yet. Not yet. Not we got to do it though, Shimmy. We'll, we'll we do, gotta it. do we'll it. We'll do it. You know, the momentum is there. So that was, you know, that was Nathan's carrot that he dangled in front of me. And I was like, hey, this is vegan. So I was like, let's do it. <laughs> there we go. Let's do it. But no, what, what so we haven't received the stick yet. We're still waiting for that. Right. We're waiting for That's someone right. to just shut us down completely and say, <laughs> no, what, what are you? You're, you're, you're ridiculous. No, you can't ask yeah. that. <laughs> but like now you've had Dale on, I think you're, you're fine. Mm. You, you, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got the you've got the, the big <laughs> man's... Man. Uh, yeah, you got the big man's approval, so you're you're fine. No one's no one from the PR at Forest Green is going to go. Hold on, guys, this is this is too much <laughs> yeah. at this point. Uh, they've been awesome too, though. By the way, they've been awesome. Although we didn't yeah. know because we never we never you know we're we're brand new to this. We have no idea what we're doing in the podcasting world in, in life. We don't know what we're doing. But uh, so we 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 had Jade on. We had Chris Stokes, the captain, on. Uh, I think that was it. And then and then um, the club reached out to us, and they were like. Hey guys, can you like let, like you need to let us know when, we, when you're gonna have people on because uh, you know we need to keep track of everything. And we're like, oh crap, we didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. We should, you know. So now, ever since then, we've been in, in communication with them, and they've been awesome, man. Uh, shout out to Connor, shout out to Noah, and everyone who's on, yeah. on the you know on the FPR team. They've been so so nice and so helpful and, and kind and yeah. Awesome, awesome crew. So at the beginning, were you just reaching out to people directly and saying, hey, do you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Follow it all started with... Follow media and ask. <laughs> and, and really, yeah. the plan all along was, like, was just to do fans. Like, we wanted to have, like, locals on and just to talk yeah. about their experience as a fan and then, like, maybe recap the game with them, whatever. We never, never planned or we thought, like, like we said, to, that it would reach the levels of, like, Dale Vince or players or Jade. Um, but... What happened was like once you start having people on, they're like, "Oh, let me connect you to this person." Oh, let me connect. and it, yeah. they've been so nice, and that's that's how we've gotten so many, um, you know, so many really cool people on. It's like someone connects us, then someone else connects. So yeah, just again, it's the family. It's a football family. Everyone loves everyone. Everyone takes care of each other. It's it's so cool. Hundred percent. So uh, we, we we're coming. We've we've been chatting for a while now, but uh, <laughs> just just finally. The plans for the podcast. What, where, where have you got any idea of where it's going to go next, or are you just hanging <laughs> on for the ride and see where it goes? Hanging on for the ride. Yeah, like much <laughs> of twenty twenty, just taking it one day to the next. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, now that we've made these connections, you know, to bring it back to that kind of metaphor of seeds, right? I feel like we've planted these seeds of like friendship, of mm-hmm. getting to know people, and we want to see how that grows. You know, we want to see how we can nurture that. Yeah. And uh, we believe in what Forest Green Rover is doing for, you know, for the cause of veganism, for the for the cause of, you know, um, a better future, uh, not just for a select few, but for for many people and through yeah. sport. Mm. So uh, as much as we can support them and we have the time, we, we do both have full time jobs. So <laughs> we still have to <laughs> attend to those. But, yeah. you know, it's, as, whatever we can do, man, we're, we're along for the ride. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah no no plans we we started some some stuff some cool stuff here though we uh we started a new york city 
FGRs. We started a little FGR club here oh, in the wow, city. Oh, wow, really? And it's growing, man. It's awesome. We started with a few of us, and I don't know how, how many, probably 13, 14 of us now, but I think it's going to keep growing, going to keep growing. Um, and it's so fun. Like, we, we have a little text group. We have uh, – we, nice. we're going to start getting together once everyone's vaccinated and the weather gets nice. We're going to get together and watch matches together outside over some beers. Uh, FGR America is another, like – thing that we've that we work with some others on and yeah there's so many fans and, and new fans coming coming aboard like all the time so i i think the message is i know the message is getting out there and it's it's just so awesome to see i love that what what a cool cool idea the uh fgr america fan club i love it we're coming love it. over we're gonna take over we're, we're gonna go to away day somewhere and we're just gonna have yeah 50 of us well i'm gonna start the that's right. I'll, gonna... I'll, I'll be at the uh, Wailing Nailers uh, <laughs> Gloucestershire Wheeling. Wheeling. Uh, Supporters Club. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, no, well, I've, I've got the Sea Shepherd stuff on my mind. The Wheeling Nailers Supporters Club. We're based in Gloucestershire. We're going to have about a, th- oh. <laughs> a thousand people all watching Wheeling Nailers games. <laughs> I don't even know if they're televised. <laughs> but I love we'll it. Find a way. We'll find a way. I'll get the chairman on. It'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Look, look, fellas it's been it's been uh it's been great chatting with you and i, I, I just encourage everybody to to check out the podcast it's so much fun uh, a great kind of companion piece i think to to watching forest green rovers games so uh and a, and a wonderful way although there's you know thousands of miles apart I, I i do feel like there's a there's a genuine sense of forest green that you've managed to capture even though you know different different uh different countries different continent uh different part of the world etc different experiences of football but it it does feel so there's something very forest green about it so i i, I love i love what you're doing thanks so much hey, thank, oh, you, Jim. thank you and same to you man your pot like we're huge fans of your pod jim so keep doing what you're doing i think you're doing yeah. you know the lord's work you're educating uh, exactly. us. You're, if you can educate exactly. us two fools, you can educate a lot of people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Till next time. Until next time. Bombas, we make socks, underwear, and T-shirts that feel good and do good. They feel good because they're designed with the softest materials and comfort innovations. 
They do good because for every item you purchase, we donate another item to someone who needs it. So far, we at Bombas have donated over 75 million items, and your purchases add to that impact. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash ACAST and use code ACAST at checkout. When it comes to work, communication is key, even if you don't have a writing job. Sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash podcast.